Thank you, Andrew. Good morning, everyone. It is good to see you this morning and to be with you in worship. And we have a lot of announcements this morning. I know it's just that time of year, isn't it? It's September, school's starting, ministry is starting, all that sort of good stuff. Uh, so before we get into all of, of this, uh, we're going we're gonna to play a little game here. All right? Don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. You don't have to do anything crazy. We're going to play a little game just to do something differently. And so here's, here's the game. And I will tell you that whoever wins the game is going to win uh, a trip to Maui. Okay, or $25,000 cash, or another great prize, all right? One of those three things will be given away uh, to whoever wins this game. So you definitely want to be a part of it, okay? And, and here's the game. We're, we're going we're gonna to play this game where there's going to be a video on the screen, and the picture it's gonna, of a picture is going to start very zoomed in. So it's going to be tough to see, and it's going to slowly zoom out. And when you know what it is, just shout it out, all right? Don't, don't worry. Uh, just shout it out. Here we go. Are you ready? Here's number one. Orange. Not orange. Whenever you got it. Haven't heard it yet. Avocado. Who said avocado? There you go. And there is a prize. It's $5 to Dunkin' Donuts, which is also an awesome prize. Also an awesome prize. All right? I told you it would be one of three things. All right. Number two. We're going to do three, three of these. Here's number two. All right? Oh, that, you nailed it. Yeah, Jasmine. Nailed <laughs> it. Dog. That's right. You want to zoom out? Can you, can you forward the video? Did we see it? Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, 100% correct. You have a gift, Jasmine. All right. What last one? Last one. Oh, thread. Let's let's do one more. I don't know who got who got that one. But here's, here's, one la here's one last one. Bubble. Who said bubble? Nice. Alexis. There you go. Good job. It's a bubble. All right. All right. You know, one of the things, we've been in this series on the parables of Jesus and the gospel of Luke, and this morning we're actually going to be in the last parable. And Luke calls it a parable, but this one's a little bit different uh, because it's really, an, it serves more to be an analogy or a metaphor perhaps or, or something along those lines. It's not, when we think parable, parables are, are things that Jesus said that give us a picture or insight as to what the kingdom of God looks like or what it looks like to live as one of Jesus' followers. And many times they're a story uh, like the prodigal sons or other parables that we've looked at over the last couple of months. This one is, is a little bit shorter. before home you have a younger son that goes away
and the context into which he is speaking that we really are able to understand the purpose of the parable. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, my fear for this morning is that we've, we've bitten off a little bit more than we can chew in, in, in the 25 or 30 minutes that we'll be talking through this parable together. And, uh, and yet at the same time, I think that this passage in Luke 21 is, is so important for us who call ourselves followers of Jesus to begin to appreciate. This is one of those passages that when you're up close to it, in those few verses that Andrew read, it can be very confusing and unclear. My prayer is that as we zoom back a little bit into what Jesus is saying and why he's saying it, that some of what Jesus says becomes clear. So Jesus has this parable and he says, he says, look at the fig tree. You know that when it starts to get leaves that summer is near. So when you start to see these things, Jesus says, you will know that the kingdom of God is near. And I think the first question when we come to this verse that we have, that I know I have, and that you might have is what in the world is Jesus talking about when he talks about these things in that verse? What is Jesus talking about when he talks about these things in that verse? And here's where we're going to back up a little bit and look a little bit more at Luke 21. So stay with me for a moment, and then hopefully uh, this will all come together here at the end. Stick with me for just a second. If you go back to verse 5 of chapter 21, you see how this whole discourse with Jesus gets started. And it's called the Olivet Discourse, Discourse if, you're, if you're reading in a commentary or something like that. And in verse 5... One of Jesus's followers, Luke says, or some of the followers, and in fact, if you looked up this story in the Gospel of Mark, Mark actually attributes this statement to one of Jesus's disciples, is looking at the temple in which they're all standing in Jerusalem, and the followers of Jesus are looking at the temple, and they are admiring the beauty of the temple. And this temple that was standing there in Jerusalem uh, was, by all accounts, an incredible structure overlaid in gold. Beautiful. So they're looking, it says, at the precious stones and everything that's in the temple as they're with Jesus. And something clicks in Jesus's mind. And he says to himself, we could have a problem. Because he knows, as everyone's standing there admiring the temple, What's going to happen to the temple in a few decades? And as Jesus begins to talk over the next few verses, he begins to reveal something that is true for his followers and it's true for you and for me. Now stay with me because I'm going to give you a statement that is not going to sound very hopeful, but it's true. Jesus says this, as you wait for me, as you wait for me, you can expect things in this world to get worse before they get better. Isn't that a great way to start your Sunday morning? You came to church for a little bit of encouragement. And this is what uh, the passage that we're looking at is saying. That as you wait on Jesus, and I mean as you wait for his return, you can expect that many things in this world and in life are going to get 
harder before they get better. And Jesus sees some of his followers looking at this temple and admiring its beauty and all the adornments and the precious stones and the gold. And he's saying in his head, this is going to be a problem if they love this place so much because something is going to take place. And when it happens, they might get disheartened. So Jesus says, when you see these things, just know that the kingdom of God is near. So what are these things? Well, these things are a few different things. And I, as Jesus talks about these things through this discourse, he talks about some things that I think have already happened. Some things that have already taken place. And then he said, talks about some things that have yet to take place. In verse 8 of chapter 21, through verse 24, Jesus talks to the people and he talks about some things that are going to happen. And he says there's going to be false teachers that come. And I think these are things that have already happened that he was saying for the people that were in front of him. There's going to be false teachers that come. There's going to be wars that happen, nations against nation. There's going to be natural disasters that happen. There's going to be cosmic signs that occur. And there's going to be persecution that comes for you as my followers. I think that Jesus is saying these things to those believers that are in front of him. Now stay with me. I know it's, I know it's a lot. And then after verse 24, I think there's a shift in what he says to the people. I think that Jesus shifts to things that have yet to occur. That as people are looking at the temple, that he talks to them and he says, there's some things that are about to happen. The biggest thing that Jesus says to them is that this temple that's standing around you right now, it's going to be destroyed. And I'm sure that was really hard for them to understand. That this beautiful temple that they were standing in that wouldn't be completed until A.D. 63 was going to be destroyed. But sure enough, in A.D. 70, the Roman Empire came and seized the city of Jerusalem. And even though the Caesar commanded the troops not to destroy the temple, they destroyed it anyway. And that beautiful place where all of Jesus' followers were standing a couple decades earlier was brought to ruin just like Jesus said it would. And Jesus says to the people standing in front of him, when you see all these things and it seems like things are getting worse before they get better, that's a sign that the kingdom of heaven is near. And then as I said, there's this shift in verse 25 where Jesus moves to things that I think are for us, things that have yet to happen. Where Jesus says, before I return to this world in verse 25 through 28, if you look at it, you're going to see some things taking place. That there's going to be distress among the nations, there's going to be natural signs and disasters, and there's going to be people that are living in anxiety and fear. And whether or not you think that, that Jesus is correct in his ability to prophesy, I think he's right on hard not to say these things aren't happening, that these things aren't 
even increasing in the world around us. In fact, that last one, people living in anxiety and fear, I mentioned last week uh, that in September, starting on September 11th, we're starting a new sermon series, and we're going to be talking about what the Bible says about anxiety and worry. And I mentioned that as your pastors, we've been reading a book uh, called Anxious for Nothing by Max Lucado, and it's really blessed us as a staff. But last week, I didn't mention the book title. And after the sermon, I had people emailing me that were watching online. I had some of you come up to me after the service and say, what's the name of that book title? And that just tells me something. That just a quick mention that we're going to be talking in September about what the Bible says about anxiety and fear. And everyone wanted the book. Everyone wanted to know. Because it's something that we struggle with. It's a real thing. And Jesus says, all that's going to be increasing. Now, this whole chapter... Chapter 21 in Luke, it's also in Matthew and Mark, this same discourse. This is probably the most uh, debated and talked about section of the Gospels when it comes to things that Jesus said. So it's really hard to figure out with cl perfect clarity exactly what Jesus is talking about, especially in verse 32 where he says this. He says, when you see these things, all these things we're talking about, the, end, the kingdom of God is near— and truly I say to you, this is the really hard verse to deal with. And I bring it up because there might be times that people bring up this verse to you. And they say, look at this, Jesus was wrong. Because he said, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. And people will say, Jesus said, I'm going to come back and the kingdom of heaven of God will be established before this generation passes away. Clearly, that generation has passed away, and Jesus has not returned. So what do you do with questions like that? How do you handle those sorts of things? Well, I think first of all, we have to recognize that when you get to challenging verses like this, there are good followers of Jesus Christ, good Christians, that disagree or have different perspectives. And that's okay. Now, some people would say, well, this generation means that Jesus was wrong. I reject that idea. Some people would say, well, this generation means that all the things that were Jesus were talking about actually already happened. Some people would say that. Now, I don't, that's not my take on it, but that's a plausible take. What I think this generation means is that Jesus is actually referring back to a type of person, not a 40-year window. Because throughout the Gospel of Luke and throughout Scripture, you might have uh, a phrase like this stiff-necked generation or these people who do not listen. And so when Jesus says, at the end, there will be people who reject me, who live in fear and anxiety of the things that are coming, I believe what he's saying is that's the type of people that this generation refers to, the type of people that will be present until the day that he comes. That there will always be doubters, that there will always be people who are fighting against, that there will always be people living in fear and anxiety, that that will not go away until I come. That's how I understand the verse. But in the bigger picture, what I encourage you to do is to zoom out from verses like that. And don't stay so zoomed in that it's so unclear that you say, I can never understand what this means and I don't understand the bigger picture. And so it all must be incorrect. Because that's what so many people do. 
take a verse like that that's a challenging verse and zoom back out to the whole story and see that God is in control. That's what Jesus wants his followers to do. When you see all these things, the temple of Jerusalem is ruined. There's false teachers. There's wars. People live in anxiety and fear. When you see these things, don't stay stuck in those tiny things and think that I've abandoned you. Zoom out. Zoom out and recognize what's happening. The kingdom of God is near. It's really important that when signs come, that we understand them and read them correctly. All sorts of bad decisions have been made from people who say they follow Jesus and people who say they don't follow Jesus because they misread the signs that Jesus is talking about here. I remember when I was a kid, we would drive around and I used to see the same sign over and over and over again, road sign. And I had no idea what it meant. And I couldn't for the longest time. I remember trying to process this sign in my mind. And I could not figure out what the sign meant or why it was uh, uh, at, at every intersection that we came to. And finally, I remember driving in the car and I, I was in the back seat. And my dad was driving the car. And I finally said to him, Dad, what in the world does it mean at every single crosswalk when they have a sign that says Presbyterians have the right of way? And my dad looked at me and he said, no, pedestrians have the right of way. <laughs> and once I figured out what that word was that I did not know, all of a sudden the sign made sense. Pastor Rick, who's our senior pastor, who is, uh, pastors our Burlington campus, he's been teaching his son Isaac to drive, or uh, maybe a year ago when he did, uh, and Isaac came up on a sign that said, do not pass, and he, and he panicked for a moment, and he said, Dad, why can't I go past this sign? And he said, no, 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 that's so cars can't pass, but you can pass the sign. And so when you see signs, if you're not fully appreciate the context in which they're written or understand them, you're going to misread them. And I think so often in the Christian world, because we don't pull back and really take time to fully understand the context in which something is written and what Jesus is exactly trying to say, we end up misreading and misapplying the signs. So we've got to be careful here that we don't do that. And Jesus lets us know that even though things are, might get worse or are going to get worse before they get better, that's real, that's in Scripture, that these things... All of these things, all of these signs are here to give you hope, not to cause you to lose hope. That all of these things are here to give you hope, not cause you to lose hope. In fact, in verse 28 of this chapter, right before our main verses here, Jesus says these things. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Every day you live is a day closer to Jesus' return. Every day you live is a day closer to you seeing him face to face. And Jesus says, when you see these things, don't be dismayed because things are hard and challenging. And the effects of the power of sin are everywhere in the world around you. Stand up straight. Raise your head. 
because your redemption is drawing near. There's really two ways to respond to these things that happen. The things that Jesus mentions. One is you can recognize that Jesus is near, that he is coming. Or you can be weighed down by these things and lose your hope. So many of us know people that that's happened to. They've followed Jesus and the things of this world and the challenges in this world and the chaos in this world, the why do bad things happen to good people type questions, they cause people to walk away and lose their faith. And Jesus knows this as a possibility. And so he says to them in verse 34, the verse right after the passage Andrew read, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day, meaning Jesus' return, come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. Lori and I, our family, we live in Burlington, the town of Burlington. We've had a, a water ban pretty much the whole summer uh, in Burlington. In fact, uh, as you know, we've been in this extreme drought. Uh, you're welcome, by the way, uh, for, the, for the rain that came last Monday. I'm still under the, the impression that I caused that because I tried to play golf for the first time in 14 months, and it downpoured. So I'm pretty sure that somehow those things all came together. But uh, in our front yard, a couple of years ago, uh, we planted a tree. And trees, they're not, I don't know why they're not cheaper than they are, but you want to buy a tree that's like already kind of growing, uh, it costs some money. And so we bought it, and we, we, we had someone help us plant it in the, in the front yard. And, and so there's an investment there in the tree. And this year, with the water ban in our town, the tree in the spring, like Jesus said, watch the tree when they spring leaves. You know, summer's on the way. And so I watched the tree. It, 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 the leaves came on the tree, which was great. It had the little flowers that it was supposed to have. Uh, we asked them for white flowers on the tree they planted. They planted a tree with pink flowers. That's a whole different thing uh, with our landscapers. We'll take that up. But the pink flowers showed up, and I knew that the tree was doing well. But you know what happened about six weeks ago is I looked out, and every single leaf on that tree was brown. And uh, no water, no rain. And I walked up to the tree, and I grabbed one of the little branches, and I kind of moved it down. It just broke right off in my hand. And I thought, oh, no. So what do I do? Well, I could have just said, this tree's gone. We'll have to figure something out. Uh, but I, I'm too cheap to do that. So I said, we can figure out how to revive this thing. So I bought one of those bags that goes around the bottom of the tree that you fill with water. Uh, and every morning I started filling up that bag and I would go out and run the hose a little bit because you're allowed to hand water during this water ban time. And I looked out the other day and around all of those dead brown leaves, there's all sorts of new green leaves that are sprouting up at the ends of the branches. And that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, you're going to look at this world and you're going to see the distress and you're going to see the broken nations and you're going to see the natural disasters and you're going to see climates shifting and changing and you're going to see people not getting along and there's going to be false teachers that come and say things that aren't true. And it's going to look like things are dying. 
but straighten up. Lift up your head because life is coming. Jesus is just a couple days away from the lowest point in his ministry. He is in the city of Jerusalem and in just a couple of days, one of his disciples will betray him. He will be arrested. He will be beaten. He will be hung on a cross. All of those people, almost all the people that are closest to him will abandon him. And he will die. And while he's taking his last couple of breaths, he will scream out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so Jesus himself is just a few days from feeling more separated from his father than he has ever felt before. And yet he knows that his resurrection and the kingdom of heaven is near. So even though in that moment things are very unclear and God feels far away, Jesus also has the ability to zoom out and to see the bigger plan of what God is up to. And I don't know what you're going through in your life today, and I don't know where you are, but my guess is there's something that's happening in your world. It could be in your marriage. It could be with your children. It could be in your family. It could just be in your mind where something is happening that is causing you to, to be very unclear about your relationship with God. And things are taking place. And these things are causing God to feel very far away. I want to encourage you this morning to zoom out from that thing a little bit and look at the bigger picture and look at what God is doing. That your God is much bigger than that thing. That your God has a plan. That the kingdom of heaven is near. And all of those things when we zoom out into the bigger picture seems very, very small in light of who God is. I was thinking uh, this week about Lori's grandfather, uh, her, grand, her grandpa Andrew, who passed away a number of years ago now. The Lord called him home. And he lived in Somerville. He lived in like the middle floor of a three-family home uh, just, just over here in Somerville. And uh, whenever he, when he was in the hospital, he was in and out of the hospital the last couple of years of his life, whenever we'd go and visit him in the hospital— uh, we'd walk in, and we didn't have children, right, at that time. So we'd walk in and, and go and visit him. And, and every time we walked in, uh, Lori and I, he would say something like, I'll um, oh, get out of here. And we would look at him. He's like, he's like, I know where I'm going. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I know Jesus. I'm going to heaven. Go live your life. You're young. Go have fun. You don't want to be sitting here with some old guy. Go, go have a good time. And we'd go visit him every time, and every time he'd say something like that. But I knew he was glad that we, that we came and saw him. Except for one time. One time he, he invited us in, and we, and we sat down. And I remember he, he started talking. It's the only time I really ever heard him talk about it to me, although I know he talked to other people about it sometimes. He started talking about uh, what he would consider, I think, the toughest part of his life. And... He talked about being in Germany in World War II, which he really didn't like. 
And he was on the front lines, uh, engaged in, in quite a bit of combat. And he really hated the idea that he would be put in a spot where he might have to fight somebody else that he personally didn't have a problem with and that they might have to fight him. And he talked about that for a while. And it was, it was one of those, those sort of uh, great moments, but something that didn't happen that often. And he said, you know, I had a, a New Testament that I kept in the pocket of my uniform. And I think that New Testament, just knowing that God was with me, was so helpful. And uh, his, what his grandson, Mike, back there, he told me, uh, that his grandfather used to say, I know I wouldn't have come home without that, without that New Testament. And when he passed away, uh, the family gave me this New Testament that in the early 40s was in his pocket. And it's all, you can't even unravel it. And it sits in my nightstand, and it's this reminder that no matter what you're walking through, God is with you. And that he has a bigger plan because the plan that's in this New Testament is far bigger than two nations or even the nations of the world being in conflict. Lori had an uncle, Steve Viola, who God called home just a few years ago. Many of you knew Steve. I talked about him last week. He was a state trooper, but one of the most generous people I've ever met with his time and ability and resources. And at his funeral, everyone kept talking about all these stories of how Steve helped them. Single moms who needed help with their house. He was really good, really handy, and he would just help everybody. And the really unfair thing about Steve's life was that from the time that he was an adult, he battled all different types of cancer. Really, it's just a potpourri of different types of cancer. And it seemed really unfair that he would have to deal with this and pass away far too early. But not too long ago, his wife, Sharon, who's one of the people that's serving in kids' ministry this morning, uh, gave me this gift and gave me his, his Bible. When people pass away, the rest of the family says, we'll keep the money and the property, but you can have their Bibles. <laughs> but I look at something like this, and I think, you know what? It was unfair that Steve had to deal with so much cancer and so much sickness. But his life took place inside of a much larger story. And when you zoom out, you can see God at work. Here's what I hope you remember today in what is a very complex section of Scripture. When the world falls apart and it feels like God is far away, zoom out and recognize that Jesus is nearer than ever before. That's what Jesus wanted for his disciples, his followers. When you see all these things, Destruction, false teaching, wars, all these things happening, natural disasters, zoom out and realize your redemption is at hand and I am at work. And Jesus gave them one last directive 
that I'll leave you with today. He said, stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. I'm going to invite our worship team forward as we close this morning, and I'm going to invite you, if you would, to join me in a word of prayer. And this is your opportunity. I don't know what it is that you are walking through this morning. I don't know what thing is happening in your life that would cause you to feel like God is far away. But I promise you that there isn't a single person that is sitting in this church or a single person that is watching online that doesn't feel with something happening in your life that God is far away. It could be something on a large scale, the things that are happening in our world and the injustices that take place. It could be something that is very personal. Somebody close to you is dealing with an illness or you're just tired of being lonely but I know everyone in the room and everyone who's watching right now has something that causes you to feel like God is far away Jesus said to pray and ask for strength so would you right now, in the quietness of your own heart and your own mind, would you pray and ask God for strength? Ask him to give you what you need. Some of you, I don't, we don't usually do this, but I feel like there's some people in the room this morning that you really need some strength today. Just as we close here today in prayer, if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, yeah, there's a lot of things that are happening in my world right now, pastor, that are causing me to feel like God is very far away. And I'm having a hard time believing that somehow all of these crazy things that happen on our world end with redemption and with Jesus coming back. And I need strength today. If that's you, would you be willing just to, to raise your hand? I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out or do anything just to know that that's you. You need that strength today. see a few of you in the room. God, we need you. We need the strength to believe that your words are true. Because in this passage, Jesus, you say that your, your words will not pass away, that heaven and earth will pass away, but your words will not pass away. And we need strength and faith that is a gift from you to believe that that is true, to continue to hold on in a world that is so affected by sin, in a world that is so uh, broken in areas, to believe that you are near and that you are coming just as you have said. So help us to zoom out, to see the story of this universe that you have created from the moment you set it into place, just as it was to be, to the moment that you will come back and return it to the way that it is to be. Help us to zoom out and see the bigger picture this morning. I pray for the person that's here with their hand raised today who needs strength. 
Jesus, you told us to pray for strength. And so we're doing what you said to do. And I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would grant them the strength that they need to get through today. To know that there is a God who loves them and that their redemption is near. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.